Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the podcast. Today I am joined by the beautiful Tamara. Tamara is a social worker who now runs her own very successful business in supporting the elderly. She is known to those in the industry as a bit of a residential placement queen. (laughs) She is exceptional at finding residential beds for respite or for permanent care for people. And she does get a lot of business through brokered services, assisting people to find the right place for them. Tamara has many, many nuggets of wisdom throughout today's episode, really covering what to look for in a facility, how to tell a good facility from a bad one, a bit of an overview about how the funding works and what you could be paying for those services, and also when to use someone like her for assistance with finding a bed if it's something that maybe yourself or your family are finding challenging to navigate. I think you will get a lot out of today's episode. There's a lot of questions that I get asked regularly that we cover today, and I think it'll be a good one to come back to if you're ever finding yourself in the situation of trying to find a residential aged care bed for a loved one. So without further ado, we will jump into today's episode with Tamara. Hi, thanks for having me. We've worked together at an old organization and there's so much that I learned from you in a short space of time there that I thought you were the perfect person to get on the podcast and get pick your brain on a few certain topics. But before we get started, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what your background is? Sure. So I'm an accredited social worker with the AASW, um, the Australian Association of Social Workers. And I worked in the aged care sector for about eight years um, and in government prior to that for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I have my own private practice now, specialising in working with older people and residential care placements. And from what I understand, that's quickly become quite a busy business in itself. (laughs) It sure is, yeah. So I've broken to a lot of aged care organisations and they send referrals to me to support their clients and most of my clients access my social work services through their home care package funding. Now, you, Tamara, are the queen of residential placement and (laughs) have quite a (laughs) reputation for being able to find a bed for anyone. (laughs) But I do get a lot of questions from people about how do you know a good facility? Where do you find, where do you start when you're trying to find a bed? Do you want to just talk through, I guess, what some of your key learnings in that area have been and how families can set themselves up in the best position to find a residential bed for someone? 
Sure. So I guess when when we're looking at what makes a good facility, that's probably going to be different for everybody because yeah. everybody, I guess, has their preferred things that they're looking for. So whether that be location or, you know, some people really like spending time outside. So having somewhere with accessible garden space is important for them. Sometimes it's making sure that they're at a facility where they have a private room with their own bathroom because not all facilities do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I guess working out what your loved one's preferences are is a really important starting point. Yeah. That's... And hopefully they've got that recorded in their advanced care directive. Yeah. <laughs> very, <laughs> very good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so true. And I think often as well, I know I'll often get asked from people, where's a good place to go or who, because there's a lot of organisations that have multiple facilities. And I think one of the challenging things for me personally I found is, you know, things can change a lot over time and there are sometimes different managers that take on facilities or staff change or there's a lot of things that can change within sites. So if people are really trying to get a feel for what's currently meeting their needs, what would be the best thing for them to do? If you have particular facilities in mind, and and this is also going to depend whether it's an emergency sort of circumstances where someone needs something really quickly or whether it's a planned admission that we go, yeah, mum's ready to move into care and we're going to support her to find somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I guess the circumstances are really going to dictate which places are available. Mm -hmm. But if you have a short list of places that you think, okay, well, I think this is, this is convenient and it looks really nice from the outside. And I think I'd like to find out more about it. Definitely contact the site and book a tour. Yeah. When you go into a facility, things I would look for are things like, is there a strong smell? Mm -hmm. Um, Quite often, if you go in somewhere and there's a strong smell of urine, for example, it might indicate that the people aren't having their continents age change frequently enough mm-hmm. and things like that so I guess in, look at the environment take in all the different sights and sounds and smells you know do the residents look engaged and happy does it look like there's adequate staff if you walk mm-hmm. into somewhere and you don't see a staff member the whole time you're there then it might indicate that there's not a lot of staff around yeah look at the cleanliness if you can go at lunchtime you know check out what does the food look like yeah those sorts of things, ask about what they offer for the residents. Some sites offer additional services, which means that the resident, you pay extra, but they might get a daily newspaper, which, you know, your your parents might have read the newspaper every day and Mm -hmm. that might be something that's important for them. Ask about what activities they do and how frequently do they have a choice of meals on the menu? Mm -hmm. And if you have specific dietary requirements, do they cater for that? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're so important. Yeah, lots and lots of things to consider depending on your specific individual needs. Yeah, and I think that's why I like your first point in that probably even before you start really looking or before you start visiting places is to really take a bit of time to sit down and reflect on what's important to you. You know, what is it? Is it that you want something with lots of outdoor and garden space and that, you know, Mm. meals are really important to you and having a choice of what you eat each day is really key. Having a think about those things that are really important to you beforehand kind of gives you a bit of a framework then when you're choosing between places about what's going to be best suited for you. Because as you said, not, not every place, what might be one person's favorite place in the whole world 
someone else might really hate because it doesn't tick the boxes of things that they need, which is why I think it can be challenging when people say, you know, where do you recommend? Well, you kind of need to know that person and what they're looking for to really work out what's going to be best suited for them. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's just knowing what you're looking for and then does it tick the bo- some of the boxes and then having a look at that facility and seeing you get you get a feel when you walk into places, I guess, whether the staff are friendly, do they say hello, mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things. It's even considering things like, is it near a main road? So it might be noisy. Mm-hmm. You know, the available room might be at the front of the facility and it's right near a main road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, your loved one or, or yourself, if it's for yourself, might might not like a noisy environment. Yeah. Is it multi-storey and do you, do you have a fear of lifts? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those sorts of things. So there's lots of little individual things that you might find are important to your loved one when you're looking for things. Mm. And if it is a bit more of an emergency situation where suddenly someone needs respite and they're looking for something you know, in the next couple of days, but definitely in the next week, what would be the best starting point for people if they're in that situation? I guess there's several starting points. One could just be contacting the care admissions teams at the different companies and asking them what vacancies they actually have at the moment, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're looking for a particular geographical area. There's a list of vacancies on the Catalyst Foundation website yeah. where they list high care, low care, respite and permanent vacancies. However, that list isn't updated very frequently and sometimes by the time you see the vacancy list, they're actually no longer available. Yeah, <laughs> it's a quick um, quick turnover. Yeah, yeah, or engaging the services of somebody like a social worker or a placement coordinator to support you with that process. Yeah, yeah, and I think... That's probably worth touching on too because I think it's not something that everyone is aware exists, but that there Mm. are people specialised in finding residential beds and placements for people. So often these are private businesses that then have connections with a number of different and all different facilities that can be used either in a crisis or in just any kind of time that you can pay them a fee to help find you and source a bed for your loved one. And I think it can be a really good option if maybe the family doesn't have time to be able to properly give and sort through that or also where it might be a bit more of an emergency situation with a bit of time pressure on it, that using someone like yourself maybe <laughs> with those yeah. those specialised skills that can jump in and really help with that can be really actually take a massive load off the family at that time when that could be a, a real st- stressful period otherwise. Absolutely. And and people like myself who do specialise in that have a lot of contacts in the industry and we quite often get sent the lists at the beginning of the week of the vacant beds. Mm-hmm. And so we quite often have a better idea of a starting point for looking for, for respite with a view to permanent care. Yeah. Having those contacts in the industry and knowing which are the reputable facilities and which mm-hmm. ones we, we wouldn't recommend people go to can also yep. be very useful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think people in your position or that have similar kind of businesses, they're going to be your most current point of information. Because as I said, things do change over time. So sometimes even getting recommendations from friends or family, if they maybe haven't had people in facilities for, you know, it was 10 years ago, so-and-so liked this place, it might still be correct, but it can be really helpful having that more current knowledge from people that are interacting with these facilities every day that can really help tailor 
which ones are worth putting the time and energy into. Absolutely. And, you know, we also see, you know, no information such as like which facilities have memory support units and which ones don't if you need dementia-specific care. Mm -hmm. Ones have shared rooms available if you're a couple wanting to go into care together. Mm -hmm. And like I said, which ones, you know, are are currently not sanctioned and and actually provide a decent level of care and we've had positive feedback about because I will always make sure that I target those organisations and avoid mm-hmm. other ones that I have had negative feedback about. Yeah, absolutely. And when people are, if people are doing it on their own and they're speaking with the facilities, I mean, you went through some of those top things to kind of look out for and questions to ask if you're having a tour. What are things for people to consider regarding finances? What are sometimes the things that people don't know or is there a way to kind of broadly explain how finances work within residential facilities? I'll try and explain it in the simplest terms possible. <laughs> I know it's not a simple thing. So. <laughs> yeah. so essentially, if you go into Respite, the basic daily fee payable by everybody at the moment is $53.76. Mm-hmm. So that's your contribution to the Respite care and bed, and the government pays the organisation the, the rest of the cost. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some sites, um, some organisations that do provide what's called additional services, and they might charge anything from $6 a day extra up right up to $45 a day extra, depending on the site. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important if you're looking for care that you actually ask, do you have additional services and what are the costs for that? Yeah, good point. Because there's a big difference between paying $53.76 a day and $95 a day. Absolutely. Um, That adds up quickly. (laughs) It adds up very, very quickly. When you're looking at transitioning from respite to permanent care, it's a little bit more complex in terms of it's on a bit of a sliding scale depending on how much assets you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's called a concession or fully supported bed is for somebody who has less than $50,000 in assets in which case you pay the only the basic daily fee of 53.76 a day and any additional services that that particular site might decide to charge. Mm-hmm. If you have above $50,000 then the Department of Human Services which is essentially Centrelink can actually support you to uh, do an assessment. You can do that over the phone if your income and assets as per your Centrelink record are accurate and they've been updated recently. And they'll send you a letter that's valid for 90 days telling you what the cost of residential care would be for you. Mm-hmm. So that might be if you have a, you're a part pensioner and part super, you might have to pay an income tested fee on top of the basic daily fee. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a homeowner, it becomes a little bit more complex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so if you're if you're one of a couple and only one of you is going into residential care the other part of the couple is staying in the home, then it becomes what's called an unrealisable asset, which means it isn't taken into account in your financial assessments. Mm -hmm. If, however, the other person then went into care, then the home would be considered in the assets and they would have to most likely pay a lump sum to the organisation for the room and that's what we call a refundable accommodation deposit or RAD. Mm -hmm. And... If you can't afford to pay, because RADs generally are anywhere between sort of $350,000 up to around $800,000, depending on the facility, yeah, you might not have that much money. So you can actually choose to either pay part of that RAD and 
pay an extra daily fee, which they call a, a daily accommodation payment or DAP, mm-hmm. to cover the cost. It essentially covers the interest that the organisation would make off of that lump sum. Yeah. So that might be an extra $10 a day, $15 a day, depending on the, the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can choose to not pay any of the lump sum and just pay a full daily accommodation payment. So that might be $45 a day. Yeah. So what you choose to do is really going to depend on your financial situation. Some families decide that their parents would like them to keep the house and hand it down to a family member. So mm-hmm. they actually decide to pay the full DAP instead. So mm-hmm. it's it's worth getting some financial advice if if your situation's complex about what the best option is for you. Yeah. And I think that's such a key point because even even as someone that works in aged care, I think it can be really confusing working through all those different kinds of payments and what's going to work best for each individual. And it's certainly not something that the facility can advise you, this is the best option for you. And that having an external financial advisor that can really go through your specific circumstance. And I should say a financial advisor that specializes in that aged care kind of space that understands how these fees work can be really beneficial to get the best outcome for you or your family because it is it is complex. <laughs> There's no denying that. <laughs> and having people that can really help guide you through that can be, yeah, take a massive load off your shoulders when you're already, you know, probably amongst the stress of choosing a place and moving homes and it can be a fairly unsettling time that having someone that you know can look at that and provide really sound objective advice can be really beneficial. Definitely. And it's also, I think, important to point out that if one member of a couple goes into permanent residential care, that you actually notify Centrelink and each person's then placed onto a single pension rather than a couple's pension. Um, So you do get a little bit more. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. you get a little bit more pension because the fees for residential care are based on 85% of the full single pension. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't notify them of the uh, separation of, of addresses and that you actually get a single pension, it, your, your couple's pension won't actually cover the cost. So it's really important huh. that you make sure that you do that. That is a very good point. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know it, but it's, it's really important because otherwise it's a huge difference financially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And if someone was looking to, they wanted to seek out a financial advisor to help them specifically with this situation, is there anywhere in particular that people can go for recommended financial advisors or is there a book like a directory of financial advisors that work within aged care that you're aware of? I normally recommend that people go to the Catalyst Foundation website. They actually have free financial advice over the phone for people. So for- If you want some basic financial advice, you're not quite sure what the best way to do it, uh, do it they can actually give you some basic advice on that. Okay. But I, I would say that the first port of call would probably be the My Age Care website. Yeah. Um, and when you speak to Centrelink, they, they also have financial advisors that may be able to either support you or point you in the right direction. That's a very good point. I like that. I know. I always. I feel bad sometimes on the podcast because I refer to Catalyst Foundation a lot because they're just such a fantastic yeah, well, resource. But I'm also very aware that aware that yeah that we have listeners interstate too that I try try keep things connected for them as well. Yeah. Look, hey, I know a lot of staff, but I don't know all the contacts in yeah. all of Australia. 
But next time I'll what? <laughs> Look, I guess that's probably fair enough. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of facilities and finding respite or permanent beds? I would say that if you if you're not sure and you need help, find a specialized service that will help you with it. The cost is definitely worth it in terms mm-hmm. of just taking the stress out of that process for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cost is generally somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000, depending on who you engage. Mm-hmm. But look, it's, it's definitely helpful to have somebody who's in the industry who has all the contacts and they can just make it such an easier process for you. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And as you said, whilst for some people that can be it can be a reasonable investment up front, the amount of time that and I guess energy and emotional stress that you save yourself from having someone be able to set that all up for you is massive and can be really, really helpful so that you don't have to navigate all of that yourself and that somebody can help find the, the right facility for you. That's right. And and basically what would happen is they would narrow it down to a couple of eight potential vacancies that they think might fit, meet your needs or your loved mm-hmm. one's needs. And then you would be invited by that organisation to go and do a tour so that you could then make up your mind which one. So you wouldn't be forced into taking a particular bed just because that's what the, the company finds. Mm-hmm. You would be given options and then you would still go through that process of having a tour, seeing what it feels like, What does the the actual room that your loved one would go into look like? You know, what services are on offer and and what the costs are and then weigh that up and make a decision. But it's still a lot easier if you're given, say, two options, that all you need to do is actually go into them and have a look and see see what you think rather than having to do all the groundwork yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good point. Such a good point. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been an absolute joy to pick your brain and really unpack some of these things. No, thank you for having me. It's been great fun and I'm happy to join in any time and answer any questions anyone has. I will be holding you to that and I'm sure I'll be getting you on for future episodes. (laughs) How good is she? There are just so many nuggets of wisdom throughout that episode. I really encourage you to share it with friends, family, other people that you know might be in this similar situation. It's certainly not a unique circumstance, but it is really challenging sometimes to find the right facility for people that we love and to navigate the process of finding somewhere in the first place. So if you got something out of today's episode, I would love it if you could share it with a friend. Also, if you haven't already, It really helps support the podcast if you can rate and give us a review. If you're an Apple podcast, it's just down the bottom. You can give it a star rating out of five and write your comments. And there is a spot in Spotify podcasts as well. Every little bit supports the podcast and means a lot to me as well. So if you are enjoying it, please share, leave a review and yes, tune back in again next week. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey and I'll be back in your ears next Wednesday. Bye.